Dear Heavenly Gracious God, we thank you for who you are and who you continue to be in each of our lives. We give you the honor and we give you the praise for all you've done, allowing your only son to go to the foot of the cross and then on it for me. As we enter the message, we ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to be the teacher, taking the message and making it real, making it real into the listeners and continue making it real for my life. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask you and thank you. Amen. Welcome back to Challenges of Faith radio program. We're talking about grace and faith, nothing else. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. I know you wrote it down. Each one, when you look at it, holds its important place in God's agenda. If I really ponder today, only if you want to, you didn't tune in by accident. Because what you're going to see is that one stands out as important to our personal faith. We're justified by faith. Salvation comes only by the grace of God. So you thought you were saved by the love of God, didn't you? The word lets us know it's by grace. And we look at Galatians, then you see how that the grace of God is set in its proper priority in our lives, because it's letting us know that if righteousness comes through the law, then guess what? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, died in vain. You heard of the theologian Martin Luther. As a monk, M-O-N-K, he spent nights fasting, David S.U., enforcing many other all types of practices on himself. And the reason why he was doing it because he was hoping that he was going to achieve God's favor. The brother of the household of faith, for those of you who don't know him who died for you, is that what you're doing? Because Martin Luther had been studying Galatians. So one day as he went up the holy stairs in Rome on his knees, it dawned on him that man, old woman, was not justified by works. He recognized that work could not bring him into a right relationship with God because God had made it clear that he saved men and women, women and men by faith and faith alone. So Martin got up, Martin got up Luther got up on his knees and instead went out into Europe and proclaimed the gospel. And when he did that, guess what? People were free from their chains and those shackles, especially in the mind where the battle takes place. And so when you look across the continent, the globe, and you look over in Europe, guess what? They can be restored only by, even in our own life, by the preaching of the doctrines that Paul taught in this epistle. 
Galatians. But do you notice how God also used Galatians to prompt a great spiritual movement led by, I know you heard of them, the Wesley brothers? You remember that John Wesley arrived in the United States as a missionary to the Native American community? And when his mission failed, maybe that's yours, he returned to his homeland over in England, but he was discouraged. And he said while he was walking down the London street that he heard singing coming from an upstairs window. And then he went up and he listened to the message from the back of the small auditorium. But the message was on and from Galatians, the same one we're in today. And later on, John Wesley wrote in his journal, that as he read and spoke from the epistle to the Galatians, how he felt Christ and Christ alone for salvation. And he made it clear that there was given to him an assurance taking away his sins. His sins, you know, evil thoughts, words, and deeds. So the question is, in all of our lives, what is this great truth that has moved the men and women, women and men of the past around the globe? And today, irrespective of who you are, where you are, is the only thing that can bring a true revival. Paul made it clear in his letter to the Romans. But to him or her, who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Now, brother of the household of faith, and those of you who don't know him who died for you, the only way our loving God can accept a sinner in need of a Savior is to make you righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Not in me, not in you, not in your pastor, not in your mom, not in your rabbi, not in your priest, not in your human teacher, through Christ. And that's the truth that's really being left out of your place of worship today. Are you hearing it from your pastor? Because our loving God, when you read the word, study the word, apply the word, do you notice how he refuses to accept law-keeping or good work? And so the moment you walk around telling me you're dependent on this or that or that or this for your salvation, you know what it means? It means you're trusting your works and not trusting Christ. And so there's only one conclusion that really you can come up with, that maybe you're not saved at all in accordance with the Scripture, not according to Gary or you or your pastor. Because you got to remember, salvation is only by faith in Christ. And you got to think about it. After all, what works do you and I have to offer God? We're like that child whose father was, you know, outside doing some work in his yard, and the child, the child wanted to help. So the child went ahead and got his little hammer and nails and began driving in the nails where they didn't belong and using the saw where he shouldn't be sawing but his helping was not really acceptable. And as much as his father loved his son, he couldn't accept his work. It couldn't be used. Now, my brother and I also say, for those of you who don't know him, who died for you, think God can take our good works for our salvation when he's already declared us sinners 
in need of a Savior. The law that God gave to Moses was never given to save people. Paul calls it a ministry of death and condemnation over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 or 9. I know you wrote it down. Instead, God gave us the law to show you and I that we're lost sinners. Paul said, what purpose then does the law serve? You got to remember, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And you can see that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, because that seed, S-E-E-D, Paul says later on was Jesus Christ. So the law was a temporary measure given for the sake of transgression. The law cannot remove sin. It reveals sin. It was not given for salvation. It was given to show us that we're sinners. Remember those of you who studied the Mosaic Law? Remember how it reveals people are by nature? It lets you know in reality how you really are. Now think about it. Bring it to where you are in your home, irrespective of where your home happens to be, into the restroom. Look in the mirror. That mirror is going to reveal who you really are, what you really look like. There are a lot of individuals using the mirror of the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount trying to remove their sin. And while you're in the mirror, think about your face is dirty, maybe. But you don't rub your face against the mirror to clean it. You got places of worship today are filled with the pews with people rubbing up against the Word of God, hoping they'll be able to remove their sin by contact. The Sermon on the Mount as a religion, remember Christianity is not a religion, but the Sermon on the Mount as a religion. You got a lot of people walking around in hypocrisy because if we're honest, we know we're not living by it. And all it does is reveal that you and I come short of the glory of God. But when you look beneath that mirror, there's a sink, S-I-N-K. There's a fountain filled with blood. Our loving God has a place to take away our sins. But it's not the law. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his blood on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. You know, evil thoughts, words, and deeds. And it's our trust and faith in him that saves us. Nothing else can. Nothing else can. No man, no woman. No woman, no man. Whatever comes to your heart and mind, if it's not Christ, nothing else can save you. Remember what our Savior said over in the book of John? I'm going to let you find the chapter and the verse. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman comes to the Father but by me. John, we'll continue looking at Galatians because we're looking at grace and faith. Grace, God's grace. And faith.